Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your podcast about a podcast that might just be too beautiful to live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me for this Monday recap edition of our show in New Brighton, Minnesota, Anne Lundholm. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Bobby. And as Mike would say, way, way, way down I-35 in Dallas, Texas, Meredith, some of the way, Mayhan. Good morning, <laughs> Meredith. Good morning, Bobby. I'm at about 75%. You're about 75% of the way? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Monday edition of the show. As I said, we're going to recap your previous week of TVTL. But if you have not gone back and listened to our last episode yet, stop what you're doing. Uh, skip through a bunch of Sock Club promos and go back to listen to our Friday show. It is the first of a series of five that we're doing that we're calling the Drew McFrizz Files. These are the often requested uh, Mike Frizzell bank robbing, drug addicting prison time episodes of TBTL from back yonder uh, with new interviews with Mike, courtesy of Christy Wise and special guests. And our first special guest, uh, frat brother turned radio personality, Bill Radke. Uh, it's really a great one. It was great hearing Bill on the show and getting insight on Mike from his, well, douchebag days, basically. <laughs> Call it like it is. Yeah. Buddy. We love Mike, and he's one of the gentlest, nicest, uh, most thoughtful people I know now. Uh, but it's definitely been an evolution. And uh, he was funny and charming back then, but also uh, through a lot of shit. And it was interesting to catch it all from Bill's perspective. So um, absolutely worth a listen. Special thanks to Christy for having been working on that for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And more of those are going to roll out every Friday for the next month. Uh, and special thanks to Jeremy, who's been handling the engineering on that, giving me and Anne a blissful break from that. Uh, we're going to do a little housekeeping and how to get involved at the end of the show. But first, we've got some LRB business. Uh, beyond the Drew McFrizz files, I think we have a pup date, Meredith. Yeah, pup date. So these are getting pretty thin at this point because <laughs> <laughs> he's just a dog. Not much is happening. <laughs> but uh, mostly for his namesake, Eddie, in Houston's uh, sake. Here's the latest on Eddie. Um, last week, we finished his level one reactive dog class, which was a six week course that we took because he tends to go kind of bonkers at strange dogs and squirrels when we're on a leash. Um, that's a pretty common thing, but it wasn't going away and we weren't sure how to make it better. Um, and there are dogs in this class who have attacked other dogs, who have bit people, um, or who have generally zero social skills. And the class was really interesting because since these are problem dogs and you have there were six of us in the class, they made little cordoned off areas so none of the dogs could see each other. So it's just our head popping above this this cardboard thing looking at the teacher. <laughs> and the dogs would come out one at a time to work on the stuff that we were doing. So it was a really interesting class. Um and we have done hours and hours and hours of work to build his confidence, teach him better coping skills, and desensitize him to these triggers that he's got. And after all that, we can sort of kind of walk down the front walkway without him losing his shit at the dogs across the street. So success? We're starting level two in January. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like less shame to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, how old is Eddie now? He's probably about a year. That's an estimate. Okay. So eventually we're going to have to rename this segment. Yeah. Dog date? 
Duck, duck. No. Wait. We'll come up with something. <laughs> we'll put the brain trust on it. Uh, well, thank you for that. I, have you considered just not putting Eddie on a leash and uh, just letting him jump up and nut punch everyone? Because Well, honestly, that is an option. <laughs> <laughs> he, We're trying to teach him not to do that either. Uh, and we're making good progress on that front. Like some things he learns perfectly well, and he's a gentleman in the house. It's just when, you know, freak on the streets. Um, so <laughs> he gets plenty of exercise. Yeah, he does. He's he gets plenty of exercise and he runs around in the yard and that's fine. So we don't have to take him for a walk. I think it's kind of our trainer was like, why walk him if he hates it? Like, oh, that's a good idea. But sometimes he has to be on a leash. Sometimes we have to go places. So I want him to be able to be calm. Is he big enough to do an effective nut punch? (laughs) Uh, like with the tip of his nose, maybe. <laughs> he hasn't gotten any um, taller since he was a puppy, but he's gotten a great deal longer. So he kind of looks like a mutant uh, dachshund. Uh, well, uh, Anne, how's life without a puppy? <laughs> it's treating me just fine. Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. Um, uh, Cupcake, our biggest problem is that she takes up about half of the bed. <laughs> that's uh just the the problems with cat ownership but we will definitely not be taking to our class anytime soon uh but with that why don't we jump into our week in review and and get us going with monday monday 2270 you said Stu said with our pal steve the stewbot newman and uh this is a great segue because we start with some cat talk And it turns out that Professor Bananas, always timid and skittish and fond of peeing in Andrew's closet, has been scared of Andrew ever since he got back from Chicago. And he's not quite sure how to um, get around that. Meredith, have you ever had this problem? Not with me, um, but I have had a situation where one cat had to go to the vet and stay for a couple of days. I don't know if that was for a fixing or a surgery or something. And when they, they came back, all the other cats were pissed at them and hated him. Um, and I think Aww. it's just because he smelled different. You know, he probably smelled like a lot of other animals and a weird place and all that stuff. And they didn't recognize him. And it took a, it took a few days for it, everything to normalize. So Andrew smells of Chicago, I guess. <laughs> that was you know, my first thought. I would think that cats would like Andrew more if he smelled like deep dish pizza and Italian beef. <laughs> I would like him better. <laughs> yeah, I'd take it. All right. Um, we get right to it. I got to tell you guys, I was so happy when they started talking about this. Uh, Luke almost did not make the cruise. Is anybody surprised? surprised? (laughs) (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Not me. So the story goes that on Sunday morning, uh, Andrew received five butt dials from Luke. Uh, But it turns out that they weren't butt dials. They were calls of desperation because the officials would not let Luke onto what Stu referred to as the norovirus (laughs) 2. Because he mistakenly left his passport in the his go bag, as he calls it, at his friend's did. house. Of course he did. And the reason I was so happy about this is when I um, am prepping for clip shows, I have a spreadsheet. And every time I have an idea, I make a new tab. And I have a tab that's labeled passports. <laughs> and it has three <laughs> clips. 
And I feel like we need at least four clips to make a clip show. So I was like, score, I've got my passport clip show. <laughs> so Luke basically needs Andrew to take heroic action and go to said friend's house. And they tell him where to get the spare key or possibly where to break in to get the spare key. What to smash to get the spare key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he has to get his passport, take a picture of it, and send it to Luke so he can show the cruise people, and then FedEx it to... I was a little unclear on where exactly resort destination or wherever Luke can get it. Well, actually... So they were tearing... Hmm. I, I, I believe that he's FedExing it to the... Uh, the customs uh, immigration official. That's the way I understood it. He's not because oh. the, the boat goes out and I don't know where it stops. If it has ports of call or I mean, Andrew was confused on which ocean it's even in. So <laughs> right, that's why I was confused. I'm like, you can't FedEx it to the boat. I think it's going right. to the guy who received the photocopy, the picture. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I am then- surprised that, that a picture would even work. Yeah. Like I'm yes. surprised they let him do it with that. That seems uh, well, that's, flimsy. that's the Burbank charm, right? That yeah. wouldn't work yep. for anybody yeah. else. Right. No. Uh, but, you know, you could be faking that. Uh, one time when I had a little too much time on my hands many years ago, I was leading on one of those Nigerian prince email scammers. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> and it reached the point where he wanted a, a photo ID passport picture. And I totally just Googled, like, passport picture and then changed the name on it and sent it to him. And, you know, Andrew could easily do that with some basic Photoshop skills. I don't know what the value of Luke infiltrating a cruise ship would be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as we learned last week, he doesn't look like a criminal. So I'm sure they were comfortable with this. I have not seen Speed 2, but wasn't that on a boat? (laughs) (laughs) you're you're beyond me i don't know yeah yeah uh so andrew and veeves had to go tearing around town on a sunday morning to get this passport and take the picture and do the fedexing which cost him 70 bucks by the way and he said the only bummer about this whole thing was that they were missing the seahawks game and even though it was on dvr that still meant that they had to go into a media blackout (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, I don't believe it's that hard, but then I've never tried to ignore a football game, so I guess I don't know. <laughs> I think it's the kind of thing where if you're actively trying to avoid it, it's everywhere. <laughs> I bet. Like, you, you wouldn't notice it all day, but if I tell you right now uh, that that I'd really like a pomegranate, tomorrow you're going to go to the grocery store. There's going to be nothing but a giant display of pomegranates right in the bread <laughs> section. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So it all turned out in the end, Luke Burbanked his way onto <laughs> the cruise. And so he spent the week on the high seas. He only tweeted like once or twice. So he's really, speaking of media blackouts, he's or really he just doesn't the have the internet. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, that's what Could I be. wondered. Uh, note on the donor music this week. Was it all week that we had If We Make It Through December? Oh, no, they switched to another Merle Haggard song when, well, the, when the CD went to the next <laughs> song or whatever. Right. They switched accidentally. So they've been using yes. both. They've been starting with If We Make It Through December. And if we make it through December, the song, it goes to a Christmas song, another Christmas song. Fine by me. Yeah. 
top story today is T.J. Miller, everybody's favorite. I'm medium on T.J. Miller. I don't love him, but I don't hate him. He kind of reminds me of one of those guys in college who was always being really loud. Um, he was a citizen's arrested because he got into a political argument about Trump, what else, with an Uber driver. And as he was exiting the Uber, he smacked the driver on the back of the head. And so the driver called the cops and performed a citizen's arrest. And um, there, I don't know that the conversation was that interesting, interesting to me, but they talked about um, how Andrew didn't really even know that citizens arresting was a thing. Right. Well, he, like a movie trope <laughs> or a TV trope, but not really an actual thing. I liked and I didn't realize that there are statutes where if you uh, if you are the arrestor of a citizen's arrest, you are responsible to carry it through to trial. Right. You have to go to court. <laughs> I mean, that would just be exhausting. I might think twice about stopping a criminal if I'm the one who has to go. <laughs> this is what we have police for. Why? Right. <laughs> Why do we have to do that? Exactly. Um, so, uh, bad decisions by TJ Miller there. He must have been a little tired and emotional, don't we think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did nothing to but raise his uh, stock, though. Anti-Trump, got in a heated argument, got a bunch of headlines for hating Donald Trump. It's only yeah. going to be good for him as a comedian. Yeah. And has a movie coming out, right? Does he? Mm-hmm. I think so. The yeah, I saw him in an ad. With Jennifer oh, Aniston. Right. There's yeah. like 30 people in that. And we were... That's going to be terrible. We might go see it anyway, just because we never go see anything. And, you know, if we get three or four laughs out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a quote I wanted to mention. This week was a little quote heavy, actually, in my notes. Andrew said, talking about him and Genevieve in the middle of all this legal talk, we're two incredible people, one common law. <laughs> oh, when they were talking about palimony, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> And it's a good line, so I wonder if he stole it from Genevieve. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's a lucky, lucky lady. At this point in the show, we have a special guest. Piper Newman comes home from school. It's her birthday. So um, I was actually surprised that she agreed to get on mic and talk to Andrew, but she was game for it. And um, talked about her birthday celebration. They went to the water park over the weekend and had uh, – she confuses Andrew by saying Nadia Cake. And that's actually a cupcake shop in the Twin Cities. Mm. There are a couple of locations. It's some lady that won Cupcake Wars or something. They're, they're all right. They're good for <laughs> um, teenage girl birthday. There's a lot of pink on their website and in their shop. So – I'm sure that was really a, a great choice for birthday cakes. And they went to Dave and Buster's. She talks about the presents she got. Um, what did she say? Leggings and makeup and shoes. There we go. Those mm-hmm. are your 13-year-old girl presents, I guess. And specified that they had a corn dog dinner because they had had spaghetti recently. <laughs> so I guess spaghetti was off the table. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. And, I'm not trying to malign you in any way by saying that they're really hitting all of the upper Midwest food groups. Yeah, <laughs> corn dogs with corn on the side. Yep. Well, well a vegetable. Yeah. 
Maybe it was a themed dinner. <laughs> and uh, Andrew plays her our favorite birthday song, uh, Chopped and Screwed Version. Oh, poor Piper. And I thought it was funny, but also kind of, I don't know, it's... She doesn't get the joke because it's she's the exact same. And she doesn't listen to the show. Right. It's the exact same thing as playing that song for Serengeti. Right. Right. Like <laughs> this is a TV tale inside joke. Why would Piper know this? <laughs> and she has to sit through this weird melting song. That's weird to begin with. <laughs> but he was just so proud of it. I'm yeah. sure she just thinks that old people are weird. Because she's right. looking at all of this, and you know it's her father and his friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is? <laughs> what does she know? She just shrugs it off. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, there's no shortage of weird, corny jokes going on in that house. So she's probably yes. pretty unfazed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, she was great. I I enjoyed her appearance. I thought she was pretty self possessed. Mm-hmm. considering that she just got thrown into this. So happy birthday, Piper. Yeah. Yes. Uh, moving on, we have a, a lovely voicemail, and we knew who it was exactly the minute she started talking because mm-hmm. we all listened to her podcast. Our friend Amy Shepard, uh, who's talking about uh, the whole Garth Brooks, Chris Gaines topic from last week. And she tells a lovely story that, about how her dad loved Garth Brooks so much that he was all in on the whole Chris Gaines phenomenon. <laughs> and he passed away the year that uh, the Chris Gaines deal was happening. And so uh, it always kind of touches Amy's heart. She has a certain fondness for Chris Gaines that she might not otherwise have because it's connected to her dad. Oh, way to make us cry, Amy. Yeah. Yeah. Now we can't make fun of Chris Gaines anymore. Yeah, now I feel bad about making fun of him. I think I'm going to make fun of him anyway, but with a respectful bent. Okay. <laughs> because I, I can't Great. not. <laughs> but now I'll know that there's, you know, I'll, I'll take a moment of silence with it. Yes. Um, we get an email from Anders with a hard on. In St. Cloud, I assume that we talked about this solely because Stu was on the show today. And Anders is sharing that the movie Catch Me If You Can was filmed there. Uh, Stu says it was just before he moved there. It turns out I looked it up. It was 1989. And the thing that I learned about this movie, and this is where we really suffer that Luke wasn't on the show. The star of this movie was one Matt Latanzi. Which old time TV TVTL listeners will know because um, Jen and Luke were obsessed with him. He's the that's why I live in a teepee guy. Oh, and, really? Um, yeah, he's the he's the um, baby daddy of Olivia Newton-John's daughter Chloe, who was on uh, a celebrity child singing show uh, back in 2008, which was called Rock the Cradle, that Luke and Jen were obsessed with. And so they used to talk about Chloe Latanzi all the time, and then they got into Matt Latanzi, and he starred in this movie. Wow. So what a week for Luke to go on vacation. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I can force an Andrew-relevant moment here, which is that he met Olivia Newton-John while filming Xanadu, which just means ah. we get to look at the Photoshop picture of Andrew over Olivia Newton-John now again. True. <laughs> That was one of the more disturbing photoshops we've mm-hmm. had of Andrew's face. 
<laughs> well, it's a scale, but they're all disturbing. Yes. Um, from Facebook, Holly says, is anyone going to tell Andrew that that's not Fisher Stevens in Batman? I believe I was the first person to like that post. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then we have to go through and look it all up. And of course, no, it wasn't Fisher Stevens in a tiny role in Batman. He's a way bigger <laughs> actor than that. So whoops. And Andrew somehow compares this to the fact that he used to use uh, the words catatonic and cathartic interchangeably. <laughs> they they don't mean anything even close to one another. So I guess if you're on the right drugs, you can achieve both. Sure. <laughs> I could find it a cathartic experience to be catatonic. This reminded yeah. me, I don't know why, but I, I I accidentally, on purpose, pushed my brother down the stairs once when I was about three. <laughs> we had landings, so it was only a few stairs. Um, and I was crying. My mom got very mad at me, and I remember crying. Um, and I said, but I did it on purpose. Oh, <laughs> <Jeez>. no. <laughs> <laughs> and she got even more mad. And, and what I didn't understand was the difference between an accident and on purpose. I meant to say that I did it on accident, but I thought those two words were uh, the same thing. Well, that's just adorable is what it is. <laughs> I mean, except for your brother and that thing with his arm. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it'll never be the same. It's much more acceptable when you're three versus when you're 30, <laughs> I guess. And the, the final email from the day is from Rob, who says that uh, Joe Walsh of the Eagles, or Eagles, just Eagles fame, has an honorary degree from Kent State, to connect him to Andrew. And there is what I wrote down in my notes as Joe Walsh talk, because I couldn't pay any more attention to, to it than that. And what was <laughs> termed culturally important catchphrases, none of which I'd ever heard before, or could possibly be culturally relevant in any way. Well, they claimed that he invented saying, how you doing? Which, <laughs> sure. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. All right. Um, I have a very short no point conversion. And I wrote down that the idea of Andrew leading sports talk is just mind boggling to me. Um, Russell Wilson apparently stunk up the joint. Everything went wrong for the Seahawks. The Browns are 0-13, possibly 0-16 to come. Um, Andrew wants to know if he should root for the Vikings. And <laughs> Stu's response is, nothing matters anymore. So, root <laughs> or don't root. <laughs> and Stu says, uh, I think they touched on the Sounders. Stu says that soccer is a game where you kick a ball into a net and then pretend to be hurt. Which was a great summary. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I took a couple of other notes for the no point conversion, uh, but they're the least sportsy notes I've ever taken for a no point conversion. Andrew makes the point that the older he gets, the more he dislikes Aaron Rodgers' face. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Makes also sense. reminds everyone that he's not reactionary, which I think is probably the chief criticism of the average no point conversion. Uh, <laughs> so he just throws that out there. We get to note that the running back, Trey Mason, is the son of Vincent Mason from De La Soul. Uh, so we spend more time talking about De La Soul than football in that part of the show. And there's a passing reference to Annette Funicello, 
which I just never thought would ever. Ha- I mean, I never would have thought to think that that could happen during no point conversion. So, um, yeah, real sportsy week. You're not saying that there's a big connection between the Mickey Mouse Club and the Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, is there a sad one? I can't think of a sad movie from that era. It's all just beach parties, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. Uh, but uh, with that, I would be happy to take us on to Tuesday because uh, we get, uh, well, I was going to say more sports knowledge, but we don't really use it. Uh, what we get is a bunch of nerd talk. It's Tuesday, 2271. Schrodinger's Emma Watson with special guest co-host Nicholas B. Jaren. Uh, this is Andrew's former producer from his Night Jaren, Cairo, Nick Jaren. And uh, the two of them really just turned this into an old episode of The Andrew Wall Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start with Jaren telling us where he is these days. He's quit Cairo. He's working on a new project called Northwest Nerd. The URL is nw-nerd.com. And if you go look at it, you'll see that his branding looks pretty familiar to a certain nerd podcast that we are affiliated with. <laughs> hmm. uh, you know, the, with the glasses and the logo and such. Um, he's also going back to school for coding. Cool. I didn't really know anything from Nick. I only listened to occasional episodes of uh, Andrew's show at night because of the time change. It wasn't easy to do that here. Um, mm-hmm. But we quickly move into current embarrassments. Uh, Andrew Lettuce knows that he buys one adult and one kid tissue box together when he buys <laughs> tissues. And I wonder if this why? is... Why? I wonder if this is like when Luke buys two sodas when he binges on junk food at the drive-thru. He, I think he, if he only bought the kid tissues, he would be judged. So oh, he buys adult right. tissues to say, oh no, it must be for oh. a family. <laughs> Uh, then we go into a TV deep dive. Uh, Genevieve's still watching Star Trek The Next Generation, and Nick is excited about the show Atlanta, which I've heard a lot of good things about but have zero knowledge about. Yeah, me too. Same. It's on my list to watch. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Nick also gives us keys to the show, complete with uh, the drop that they used to use on the Andrew Wells show for Nick's keys to the show. Uh, uh gimmick that was later stolen by tbtl but then has recently gone to the wayside uh andrew continues on by giving a girl.com bff quiz uh which goes about as well as all quizzes on tbtl (sighs) this quiz was everything i hate about stereotypical girldom you know this was a teenage girl that i was not and uh, these, these are the kind of quizzes that made me feel like I was somehow wrong because I was not like this at all. I didn't know any teenage girls like this. And it, mm-hmm. I think it's stuff like this that gives teenage girls a bad name. <laughs> uh, s- you know, it's it's annoying and catty and, and superficial. Mm-hmm. So my question is, uh, is Andrew a terrible person for promoting this? Or is he a great person by shattering the stereotypes in that he used it for two adult grown men. <laughs> Are those all only two choices? <laughs> Anne says both. I say neither. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I sort of figured that the last great ceiling was two uh, prime demographic white men misappropriating something for their benefit. So take that for what you will. Uh, 
Andrew's very excited because he has discovered that in the opening credit sequence of an early 80s short-lived sitcom called Love, Sydney, there's an appearance of Big Henry, his childhood giant-ass stuffed animal. Yeah, it turns out the term big is not euphemistic in any way. That <laughs> no, thing was huge. It's huge. <laughs> Uh, I want to give Nick Jarn a lot of credit here because they played the tape and then he just goes, are you sure you weren't Sydney? It was the <laughs> little girl lead. Um, and I didn't really dig into this, but I, I got the general knowledge. The, the general picture must be that Sydney is suddenly in the life of someone who doesn't know how to be a father, but has to be a father. It's classic. It's amazing. It made it three seasons. There were a lot of those sitcoms in the 80s. Yep. <laughs> People unexpectedly being given children. Yeah, they don't do that anymore in real life, do they? Like, nobody would let that happen? No. I don't think so. That would not happen. Okay. Uh, I misspoke, by the way. It was two seasons, just over three years. <laughs> <laughs> just want to make sure we get the Love, Sydney facts right. Um, I don't want to keep going without this quote, Anne. Oh, I don't even remember exactly what the context was during this discussion but andrew was describing his saturday night and he said just filling a slanket with my farts <laughs> i my main thought is that slankets don't they're, they don't contain like it's not a sleeping bag it's not a onesie <laughs> That's your main thought, huh? It could easily be vented. He's just punishing himself. Isn't the Slanket kind of the off-brand one? Isn't Snuggy is the designer yeah. brand, and that's what you really want to have if you're going to be like all the cool kids? I think uh, you can get Slankets at Walgreens. Yeah. 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 <laughs> slankets are the RC Cola of the Cola Wars. Yeah. <laughs> the top Story Tuesday, uh, Kanye West visited... President-elect Donald Trump. Oh, my God. No more Kanye uh, talk. And the question that comes from this, uh, although I think the uh, framing of this is inaccurate, the question is, would you take an appointment with President-elect Donald Trump? If he summoned you to his golden tower, uh, would you go? Yes or no? Lightning round, ladies. Uh, Anne, would yes. you go? Yep. Yes. Of course. Right? Meredith? Absolutely not. Really? <laughs> Interesting. You I don't want to be sexually go? harassed. No. Uh, no, I don't want to look at his stupid face. No. You wouldn't take a hit for the team because that could be a lawsuit? <laughs> <laughs> we know how he deals with lawsuits. Right. right. Well, I would because, number one, everybody knows I am not attractive enough for him to sexually harass. Number two, I would just hope that somehow in the conversation – whether this is just me tilting at windmills, that I could get through to him on some in some small way because he's see you have really hope. That's a difference. You, influenced. Yeah, you have hope, and I don't. That's I think that's the difference. <laughs> I think he's I think he's a lost cause. Uh, okay, two points. One, I want to clarify Anne's statement about not being attractive enough for Donald Trump. It's purely because you're not his own daughter. Yeah, true. This has nothing to do with your baseline attractiveness. I've met you; you're very attractive. Uh, we're talking well, about you. through the we're talking about through the skewed vision of Donald Trump's universe. I didn't want that to sound like a an oh woe is me thing for man. I know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
I would definitely go just for the story. I mean, uh, I, the thing that confused me about this prompt is I think Kanye asked for the meeting, didn't he? Or Kanye started the buzz about the meeting. Maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like Kanye asked and Trump said yes, not the other way around. Um, and for Kanye, it's just a photo op. I mean, why not stir yeah. the pot? Um, yeah. I, I had written in my notes, Kanye is a miserable human being. I feel comfortable saying that. And Andrew always brings it back to institutional racism and all of that. And I'm like, no, he's just an awful person. He's a monster. That's why I don't like him. Yeah. yeah. I don't care if he's black or white or anything. He's just gross. That's right. Well, the thing that irritates me about this the most, more than either of their awful personalities, is that he used this this meeting, quote unquote, as an excuse to get out of a press conference. Yes. Too busy and that's for the press worst conference. excuse I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> I have to meet with Kanye West. Oh, don't worry. We've got many years of worse excuses to come. Yeah. Uh, but I would definitely take the appointment, not with any thought that I could change his mind about anything. Although I like your point, Anne, which is that he, he I think he listens to whoever is loudest in his ear. So I guess if you could mm -hmm. push him. Well, haven't they said that uh, he met with Al Gore and he's met with a couple of other climate experts and he seems to have just mm -hmm. ever so slightly softened his denials of climate change. So I was just hoping that maybe I could plant some sort of seed. Yeah. I, I do have this feeling that he just wants to be liked. And so if mm -hmm. someone puts in front of him that the popular opinion is X, he'll just do it, which in some, which in some ways could make him not the worst leader in general of all time in the world uh but mm -hmm. then i remember that he's a monster uh egomaniac and i don't put too much stock in that and he's surrounding himself with monsters too <sighs> yeah. yeah has anyone heard from Dick Cheney interesting lately? four years hmm? yeah <laughs> nothing no no um <laughs> on other world news the united nations has dropped wonder woman as an ambassador uh because she's too hot <laughs> um <laughs> so put some clothes on her and keep her as yeah. the ambassador. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think this is probably the most anyone's ever talked about a fictional UN ambassador. <laughs> I did not know that was a thing. Me either. Yeah. So I, I mean, get it. It seems I get... ridiculous. Yeah, the whole premise is ridiculous. These people get together once in a while to discuss the future of our world. I feel like they've got better things to work on. Yeah. Uh, we confuse Emma Watson and Emma Stone. I put in my notes at this point, although I could have put it anywhere in the show, about it's really refreshing to have someone on the show who actually knows the names of actors. Yeah. Because every time, even when they were talking about um, before Star Wars and whatever, Nick was just on it with all the actor names. I thought, that's this is wonderful. Yep. Uh, we can plow through the rest of this. We get an email from a listener who's seeking tips for success on Cairo radio call-in contests. The guys don't really have any. Uh, <laughs> they do have uh, an abundance of Russell Wilson, Wilson's football-shaped bread laying around <laughs> that nobody <laughs> wants to eat. Um, we get another email that's a complaint, not about TBTL, but just about life in general. I'm not sure exactly how this ended up as part of the mailbag, but... Uh, this person is annoyed when people use the phrase, put on your big boy pants slash big girl panties, which I feel like is not mm -hmm. a fair, uh, <laughs> it's not a yeah. fair juxtaposition. Uh, Talking about pants versus underwear. Right. 
but anything to have to say the word panties. So thanks for that. Right. Well, and then and Andrew then wants to um, figure out about other sayings that involve pants. I mean, is liar liar pants on fire? Okay. Can we still talk about tonight pants? Right. I don't think I don't the word think that was the point pants. of the complaint. Nope. Nobody's <laughs> no. offended about pants. <laughs> Uh, and then at the end, uh, Jaren just plugs uh, his podcast, Northwest Nerd, and I just like that he said it was available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podmonster. <laughs> <laughs> and that he made the last one up, because as our uh, uh, chat friends know and people who talk to Mike a lot, he's just been trolling people by making up fake podcatchers for a solid month now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, whenever anybody posts a thread on the Stens page asking about different podcatchers, from now on, just take a look and you'll see Mike show up and he'll start talking about some <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Without any vowels. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Pod Smasher and... Uh, I don't know. Was, was it, it Gab Grabber? Was one? Gab Grabber, yep. <laughs> Pod Monster is pretty good. Yeah, I'm actually surprised Pod Monster's not one. It it might yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Wednesday, twenty two seventy two. The People versus Jermic Frizz. This is the Phyllis show that I knew we would get. Yay! I just knew. Yes. Um, we start out with uh, Andrew introducing introducing her as the interim president of the Seattle Association of Black Journalists, and then being weirdly insistent that she is interim and not permanent right. president. Right. Like it's not that big of a deal. Uh, I um, like I like that she said if she's asked to run and nobody else wants it, then she will sort of ha- happily slash begrudgingly serve. And knowing Phyllis. And knowing a room full of people who know Phyllis, my guess is that they're going to mm-hmm. ask everyone to step forward, and everyone's going to take one step back. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't you just let Phil? If if you had the option to let Phyllis be the president of anything, wouldn't you just do anything you could to make that happen? Yes, Dang it! I should have written question. her in as my presidential vote. Yes, <laughs> Phyllis, I would vote for you for president. In a heartbeat. Phyllis, I would vote um, for you for done. the president of the Seattle Association of Black Journalists. I'm just like three, three qualifications off from that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if we get a vote. You're a white man. You get to vote in these things, right? I get to vote in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we start talking about public radio and we get a delightful clip of Bookworm with Michael Silverblatt, <laughs> which is... <laughs> I really did. I, I wasn't aware of this show, and I really thought they were doing the Parks and Rec parody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. It's so funny, as someone also who heard the Parks and Rec parody first, then to mm-hmm. hear what it's actually based on. It's so it's a hilarious. Great parody. I think I unironically love Michael Silverblatt just for being his own weird self. Yeah, and it's awesome, as Andrew pointed out, that he still has a show that would probably never get picked up today because it's so weird. Mm-hmm. It would have to be a podcast. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this is just like the car industry stuff with Car Talk. It would be called right. On Books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they would have a publisher's representative on every episode. Yeah. Even the music yeah. is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we talk a little bit more about people of color in journalism. They talk about how um, NPR wants a front facing person of color, but they kind of don't promote diversity from within in the lower ranks. So it's going to be hard to promote somebody that isn't there. That's true. Uh, and that's, yeah, it's very true. It's an interesting yeah. institutional problem that I'm sure a lot of organizations have. And, and the more uh, people think about this, the better, I think. Um, moving on. Oh, we get a little bit of a mention. Uh, and they start talking about the live show and how Andrew's feelings were hurt by that thread uh, where people were kind of outlining, not even complaints, but just observations no. about the live show. No, and I kind of feel Coley like this is my a... fault. No, not really. Well, because on the c- recap, I, mean, kinda, I said no. I had a hard time with the live show. And I didn't mean to like, I certainly don't want to make Andrew feel bad. I was being honest about my experience with it. Well, it wasn't your fault. It it was, I liked the thread uh, because Colian just point was there to sort of fill in some details. It wasn't... Uh, specifically in response to anything that we said, but he was at the live show and he thought that he would give us a little bit more background on Mm -hmm. what was going on there. And Andrew sort of took some context clues um, completely incorrectly from what was said and decided that we had been talking shit about it, which we weren't really. No. And we had some criticisms for sure, but I, I think Andrew took something that wasn't really there and then built it up in his brain that we were being mean. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me that he would do that. Um, he and Luke seem to both have kind of, uh, fragile egos a little bit when it comes to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, this is and, just- and, and they do talk about our show as being a great show for anyone, but them. <laughs> it's just reality. I've been thinking about this since the live show and since that thread and since Jira, since, uh, Andrew's self-consciousness about the whole thing. Serengeti is just a cute pen pal you finally meet. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just not going to be there in real life the way it was when so much of it was heaped on from one side. I mean, we really built Serengeti up to be something. And Mm -hmm. he's just a guy. (laughs) Like, he has no idea how weird our little podcast world is. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know what he's getting himself into. It probably would have been better for everyone if we had just kept him in the imagination of TBTL. Um, But, you know, I'm glad they tried, I guess. But it was fine. And live shows in general, the experience just isn't the same as a podcast listener. I I only like them in that I feel warm uh, and levitating about the people who are there. Like, it's such a good opportunity. But you sort of know it's not going to be your, your best produced show. And frankly, we could have been way meaner than we were. We did not even bring up the fact that Luke continually referred to Serengeti as Getty the whole yeah. time. I, I've been, I harped on that on Facebook. Uh, Andrew noted that he edited out like 40 seconds of awkwardness in that interview. And I asked if it was just the 40 times where he said Serengeti and just cut it down to Getty. Cause that would be really funny. <laughs> I believe I actually said that would have been surgical. All <laughs> uh, right. Moving on. Phyllis tells us about her epic journey to the national archives to get Mike's court records. And this was just so fascinating and amazing mm-hmm. that she did this. Um, I've had a kind of a crazy week, so I haven't had a chance to sit down and read these, but you guys have, right? Yep. 
I haven't read it yet. I've also been very busy, but I let's see if uh, I can shuffle some papes here. I have mm. all of it right here in front of me. I've got it all printed out because I'm a terrible human being. And uh, sorry about that. That was louder than I expected. <laughs> but it is it is thick. There's a lot in here. Yeah, isn't well, it like 110 yeah. pages? Yeah. And it cost her $90 plus bus fare, and we're definitely reimbursing her out of our jam fund. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For this. That's a lot of money for, for this. Something she did not have to do. I mean, she was talking about how she enjoyed it. It was a fun kind of little hobby for her. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Well, we know that Phyllis loves filling out expense reports. So as soon as she does that, we'll get her reimbursed. Uh, and I've instructed Jeremy to take the money out in non-sequential bills and put it in a sack with a dollar sign on it to give her. <laughs> uh, they talk a bit about um, some of the highlights of the transcript, including the judge acknowledging that uh, Mike's crimes were not victimless, that uh, the tellers are menaced and scared. And um, of course, it would stress somebody out. And, and he didn't have a gun, but they didn't know that. And and that sounds terrifying to me. Um, and mm-hmm. it's important to keep that in mind as we're listening to these Mike shows. Um, yeah, Mike is, is, is a great, wonderful, sweet human being. Um, but it wasn't the same Mike back then. Um, so yeah, we shouldn't romanticize it. And, and I don't think we do. And I don't think TBTL did, but it's just an interesting thing to keep in mind. Um, they talk about his sentencing and they talk about uh, Mike's attorney calling out the judge messing up consecutive and concurrent, which <laughs> <laughs> would have been a, a real bad sentence for Mike. Otherwise, yeah, how, so glad to clarify I wonder, that. I wonder how that would have worked. I mean, clearly she meant to say concurrent um if that had not been challenged i mean would that have gone through as consecutive and would it then have been a huge hassle to change it or would everybody have been just like whoops never mind i feel like the pharmacist would have called the doctor at some point like there would have been a stop somewhere where they would have said this just doesn't make sense but but yeah still got a good catch by that public defender Mm -hmm. yeah um, Phyllis, uh, was really excited about her three hour transfer. Um, <laughs> and the little things in life. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of government bureaucracy, they discuss how difficult it is to reload an Orca card on your phone. It's basically impossible. Just use the machines. Um, Phyllis walks us through the whole process of getting the file. It sounds really interesting. Um, yeah. Kind of like a fun little, uh, a fun little project for her. Um, top story for the day is this horrific proposal that was done in Mobile, Alabama. Um, I wasn't aware of this story. So when Andrew started talking about it, uh, we're talking about a black man being accosted by the cops or cornered by the cops. Uh, everyone's yelling. They have guns. I know how this story ends. And, and I started to wonder why on earth are we talking about this on TBTL? Because we don't usually do these awful cover these things on TBTL, these horrible stories. Um, but those feelings just kind of feed into why this is the worst idea. And this man is the stupidest man in the world <laughs> because, uh, yes. while the cops are training their guns at him, he just pulls out a ring and proposes to his girlfriend. Uh, questionable judgment all around. Phyllis was just groaning the whole time. So was I, I Phyllis could not was believe amazing. 
Amazing. I know. know. She was just exactly. what is wrong with him? (laughs) Yep. And I didn't, I didn't know at first if she, if this woman had said yes, because I would have just died, I think on the spot, like, no way there's the, you obviously have the worst judgment of all time and you could have gotten several people killed, (laughs) but sounds like she said, yes, they're meant for each other. Yeah, this, this was just a, a a triumph of idiocy. Let's put it that way. And we are all very lucky that that did not turn out any other way yeah i mean phyllis started pointing out the many things that could have gone wrong somebody else could have had a gun you know somebody could have tried to shoot one of the cops um another cop could have showed up another just random person could have showed up i mean so many terrible things could have happened luckily they didn't you know Um, but I'm, i'm now thinking i'm not mad at this dude i'm mad at those cops well, yeah, because he's they, actually, they should dumb. have better judgment. They should have this. known better. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Yep. And and it's just, of course, it was, I, I don't want to say backwoods because it's Mobile, right? That's a, that's a pretty good sized city. Yeah, but that's like, a city. Oh, yeah. It's um 200,000 people. Yeah. But it, it's these uh, these southern good old boy cops, I guess. Like, it, like the cliches here are not helping anything. Of course, this was no. in the deep south. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Alabama. And he's trying to convince them by saying he's going to revamp their image online with the black community, right? <laughs> uh. Well, and this this bystander concern, which was the first thing that crossed my mind when the story was starting to unfold, which is like some asshole is going to come out of the gas station or whatever and be like, "I got a clear shot," and just shoot the guy. Or yeah, uh, gun ownership in Alabama forty nine point five percent of households. Wow. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that everyone's got it on them all the time, but like one in two ish households <laughs> has a gun at the ready somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the fourth highest uh, uh, percentage in the country, according to some website I just found very quickly. <laughs> but like, it's not like they're in some little liberal enclave where nobody would even have a gun. Like, this is, this is high shoot 'em up potential right here. So it's a real miracle that no one got actually shot. Right. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, The next story is uh, about this kid in Tennessee who supposedly died in Santa's arms. Uh, The details cannot be confirmed at this point. This went around Facebook earlier this week, and and I read it too, and I was like, oh, my God, this is heart-wrenching. And uh, it didn't even occur to me that somebody would make something up like this like what a horrible thing to make up (laughs) right yeah i don't know uh yeah yeah i saw it a couple of times but i didn't read it i'm just always so um not that i was necessarily suspicious because i hadn't read it but it just seems so clickbaity you know even just the way that the title was he died in santa's arms i was just like "Mm, no yeah, and then I, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, that's not how you, you die in the hospital. Like, they wouldn't allow that to happen. And you don't just, like, ugh, I don't know. It, it's not, it, it would probably wouldn't have gone down like that, as Phyllis, I think, points out. Right. Um, Andrew said his cold, dead heart didn't allow him to care about it until he heard that it might be fake. And then he became interested <laughs> in it. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, very. Um, 
Phyllis points out that his lack of interest would have kept him from putting this story out had he been in charge of editing these sort of things, or he would have confirmed the details. Um, And Phyllis got suspicious because the guy claimed to be an army ranger, and she knows from her journalism experience that that often isn't accurate. People exaggerate their service credentials. I thought that was very interesting. Me too. Of Of course people do. I mean, it's one of the the most sort of honorable positions to hold anywhere in our country, I guess, that people can relate to. And uh, it makes perfect sense that people would exaggerate that. Yeah, it, it gives you some air of credibility. Yeah. It I makes guess. you seem I, that must be what they're like thinking. A, yeah, a bigger badass than you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, um, you know, there are YouTube videos dedicated to people who call out alleged veterans who aren't really veterans. It's actually kind of a gross thing all around. Uh, But there are lots of people out there who claim to be veterans of the military who aren't really. And then there's a whole group of people who go around and like quiz them and call them on their bullshit Mm. and tape the whole thing. And it's a spectacle. Yeah. It sucks that we have to do that, (laughs) that we have to be suspicious of these things. Yeah, uh, well, you know when I, when I was a ranger, I really mm-hmm. didn't appreciate people pretending to be something that they weren't. <laughs> it's an insult to the post. You're yes, right. exactly. It is. It is. Uh, I took my service very seriously. Mm-hmm. They're coming after you, Anne. You're next. <laughs> uh, stolen Valor. If you want to go down a, a rabbit hole of disgustingness, Google Stolen Valor. Uh, as if we didn't go down enough of one already. <laughs> right. All right. Moving on to emails. We get an email from Dave um, asking about their Christmas gift philosophy. Um, do you get it done early? Are there special stores? Um, Andrew feels a lot of pressure around gift giving, and he feels like he's not the kind of person who can think about this year round and pick up a special thing in June for somebody because he thinks of them when he sees it. Um and he feels uh, anxious about this, of course, because he feels anxious about everything. Um, and then Phyllis talks about um, her philosophy. She she does gifts for um, extended family, the children, and Secret Santa, and um, reveals that she doesn't get anything for Gus. I didn't know this. Did you guys know this? Yeah. That's interesting. I'm just not paying attention. Yeah, I didn't. Um, but Gus, Gus is well taken care of. He gets gifts from extended family. Um he he must not mind it. He does have a Christmas birthday, though, and I can empathize with that because I'm the 28th. <sighs> January um, 5th. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does get a party. He gets his own party, um, which sounds like it's going to be fun. They get a SpongeBob pinata. I want a SpongeBob pinata for my birthday. No kidding. Um, and then Phyllis talks about how she's the wacky T-shirt aunt. So she gets she gets everyone wacky T-shirts every year. And my mom is the pajama grandma. Because that's the, (laughs) we always opened one gift on Christmas Eve and it was always pajamas. And then we wear those pajamas to bed Christmas Eve. So they're always Christmas themed and she still sends me pajamas now in the mail every year. So how many sets do you have? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Lots. Like sometimes she likes to sleep in nightgowns and I hate nightgowns. So I hope she doesn't listen to this, but she often will get me a nightgown and then it just sits in my drawer for a couple of years mm-hmm. before I donate it. <laughs> um, but it's a sweet, sweet thing and I, I like it a lot. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Do um, you guys have gift philosophies? Um, well, uh, like Andrew, I and my family, we are all very poor gift givers. It's it's not our love language. As we all know, sugar is my <laughs> love language. But um, it's just nothing. We do it because we know that's part of the deal. I mean, it's sort of an, an obligation of Christmas, or at least that's how we all have looked at it. And we go to the point where um, we actually make a Christmas list. And this year we've got it in Google Docs. Everybody has their own Google Doc. And you put the links to whatever Amazon thing that you want. And then you share it with everybody. And everybody goes through and they can just click the link and buy what you want. And then cross it off on the list so nobody else buys it. So we literally... We don't go out shopping for each other. You just tell people what you want and they get it. And my sister-in-law... Um, who is lovely and thoughtful and the kind of person that will pick things up throughout the year and believes that it's just as much the thought that you put into it. Um, She's horrified by this. (laughs) She (laughs) participates under protest, but it's just not something that we care about very much. And I did suggest to one of my brothers that maybe now we're adults, we could stop giving gifts and, he was like, oh, my God, no, we can't. We have to give gifts. We at least have to give a token gift. And I was like, well, if we're giving token gifts, we might as well give full gifts. So I don't know. It's just it's a very we're efficient kind of, yeah. mess. We're kind of in the same boat as you because we're a very practical people. I think yeah. maybe this might be an upper Midwest thing. Um, but <laughs> what we do, uh, we get gifts for the kids, for the nieces and the nephews. Um, but for the adults, we do a secret Santa. Um, lists are circulated and you get, I think it's $75 this year and you get whatever on the list up to that amount. And so th- the idea is that nobody gets a gift they don't want. <laughs> and right. that makes sense to me. <laughs> and it makes it easier for everyone else. I don't want to cause people stress about what they're going to get me. Um so I don't I don't think it's sad or crazy, but it's what we've always done. We always stick to our lists, and uh, that works for us. I hate this. <laughs> I hate these lists. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy going out of my way to get people gifts that they didn't know they wanted, but that they will appreciate or use or like. Of course, that's a huge challenge, and it doesn't always work. So... Um, this year, uh, I've got both sides of my family down to one gift exchange each. Instead of everyone buying everyone gifts on Sam's side, we're doing a Secret Santa. And on my family's side, we're doing a Yankee swap. Um, so, or White Elephant, depending on where you grew up. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, it's harder, actually, for my family. I had a plan for what I was going to get, and then it was suddenly not available. So, I'm still working on that. But the Secret Santa with Sam's family, everyone literally just texted in a big text chain, like a bunch of random stuff they wanted. Some people even included links. (laughs) And everyone just wrote like, oh, in case you need this, here's exactly what I'd love this year. (laughs) And all I wrote in that chat was, I like booze and fun (laughs) and whimsy. (laughs) Because I just don't know. You're not being helpful here. (laughs) I know. And I feel bad that I'm not helping whoever got me. But like... I don't want stuff like I'm on a war against decor items (laughs) and uh, that's something my family loves to give a ton of. And I just, I don't know. I want something I can list. I want something I can eat or use and then it won't be here anymore. 
We just share the email that we use for our Amazon wish list, and they shop from there. <sighs> it's perfect. There's no effort. I know. In theory, I know. Bobby, I like your way. But when it comes to reality, I just <laughs> I can't live that way. I know. And we're going to mention it later, but we're actually doing an LRB Secret Santa this year. And so just, just among us hosts... And uh, I don't know who you have, have, and I'm not going to tell you who I have, but we're probably going through all the same challenges. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't make lists for this, so right. we just have to come up with it. That that's a lot of pressure. That's more pressure than 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 I need it right now. So I'm glad I don't have it for my family too. <laughs> I've already made my choices though, so I just have yep. to live with it. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Andrew talks about how much he dislikes office holiday parties. Uh, I don't know if anyone really likes them. Except Everyone Phyllis. Everyone gripes about them. Phyllis yes, loves Phyllis them. Likes them. Well, but, but Andrew said he ends up liking them once he gets there, which is kind of my experience. Um, I, I haven't gone to my office Christmas party since I moved here because it's in Detroit. Um, but I used to go. And uh, since I work for a nonprofit hospital, there's no booze. It's in the middle of the day and it's a potluck. Uh, so it's pretty painful, but I still went just to be a good soldier. I end up hating them once I leave. If that's a weird and backward thing, because I'm all right when I'm there. I really don't like parties very much, but it's all people that I know and it's fine. And the one that I'm talking about is actually for the second job for the store. And so I've gone to it for 17 years and I know everybody and it's at the boss's house and we always do it in January after the Christmas season is over. And she makes great food. And then once I leave, I start to second guess myself. And I think, God, why did I just sit on the couch the whole time? Why didn't I talk to people from other stores? Why did I have to say that thing? And why do I have to be so Aww. stupid? And then it's super cold and dark going out to the car. And everybody else is leaving with somebody. And I'm leaving alone. And then I get really depressed. And I cry all the way home. So not my favorite thing of the year. Oh, I know. Isn't that terrible? Well, that sounds awful. I don't blame you for hating it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there there are some extra awkward elements to that, which is that it's a smaller situation and everyone knows everyone a little bit better. Like, I imagine a big company office party is like it's in a restaurant or at a at a sort of colder location. And I would want to go just to see who gets drunk. And makes an ass of themselves and hope that it's not me. See the train wrecks? Yeah, exactly. I'm just going as an observer. Um, I, I am a company of one, so I am not having a Christmas party. Uh, but uh, Don't let that stop you. Well, every, every day is a Christmas party with me. But um, uh, that's what I say when I keep the whiskey in my desk. Um, <laughs> but uh, my office mates, because I, I have a couple of roommates at work, essentially we share a, an office. Uh, we're all going out to lunch, four of us, lunch and uh, dessert uh, next week, uh, just so that we can go. And I'm going to have a drink at lunch, and they're all going to look at me and think I'm crazy. But I'm going to say, fuck it, it's the holidays. Why not? Yeah. So, you know, it's been years and years and years since I worked anywhere with a real Christmas party. I kind of miss it, but um, it's low on the list of things I miss. Uh, and that's the end of Wednesday, huh? Yep. Yep. Let's push on to Thursday, 2273. Wondrous sausage music with uh, ESPN 710 AM host Tom Wassel and also apparently Aaron Mason. Uh, we opened with a voicemail <laughs> from Stu uh, who lets us know that he's been having sex with his wife for years. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> it also mentions that um, uh, this Aaron uh, is both squirrely and maybe Hitler. Well, I believe what he says is, I'm not saying he's Hitler. Right, excuse me. <laughs> right. I'm not saying you should hack uh, hack the DNC. Um, I'm just saying, wouldn't just it be asking, great if someone did? Right. I'm just saying, Aaron's definitely maybe not not Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> um, the show opens with Aaron Mason from The Grapes of Rad um, sitting in alongside Andrew. Uh, they are in studio at Cairo, um, and uh, we immediately note that uh, while well, Grapes of Rad is still plugging along nicely and has been great with the addition of Genevieve, um, mm-hmm. Aaron's other project, his Quantum Leap podcast, hasn't happened in a while. Hmm. Two or three people are heartbroken. Um, I just think that has a limited <laughs> shelf life, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, Aaron is actually in really high spirits. For people who follow Grapes of Rad or have caught his appearances on TBTL, he's, he's been through a lot of shit in the last couple of years, most of it uh, his own fault. Uh, but uh, he is in a good place now with his job at Cairo, editing podcasts, and um, more about that a little bit later. Uh, Andrew is proud of himself because he made Italian wedding soup from scratch uh, quite seriously from scratch all the way down to the stock, which was left over from his Thanksgiving turkey, uh, which led to a wonderful tangent, I guess, uh, in breaking down the leftover turkey from Thanksgiving. He had put a couple of bowls labeled into the fridge. One was the well-sliced, beautiful turkey for sandwiches, and one was labeled turkey odds and ends, <laughs> which Genevieve rightfully found hilarious and Andrew didn't understand. <laughs> Uh, I'll also point here that uh, Aaron excitedly noted that recipes are the springboard for interpretation um, and winging it a little bit. Uh, to that's which, how you know he's not a baker. That's exactly what mm-hmm. I was thinking. <laughs> to which I thought, Anne is cringing. <laughs> but for soup, he's not wrong. He is right. Mm-mm. For soup, it's fine. Baking is a science and soup is yeah. an art. Yeah, but... Um, this is when Tom Wassel drops in and saves the episode, uh, starting with his <laughs> novelty at the notion that he can swear on TBTL. <laughs> Just excitedly, he said shit over and over again. <laughs> He's surprised by a lot of things about this show. Yes. Well, rightfully, rightfully so. so. Yeah. <laughs> uh Andrew mentions that he and Genevieve have a blog idea uh, called Rated C for Clean, where Genevieve assigns him a movie scene where there's a cleanup from a murder or something, and Andrew criticizes how poor of a job they do. I would read this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it sounds like a puttering critique, mm-hmm. which would be a whole new yeah. level of professional puttering. Uh, and then Andrew tells us the job of how both he got his night show at Cairo and how he screwed Tom out of a this night job at Cairo. Yeah, I had yeah, no idea. I had yeah. never heard any of this. I remember that he and Tom Wassel had recorded some pilots and had guest hosted together a couple of times. Um, they had a vision of doing the 7 to 10 slot as a two-host show with maybe some sports influence since Tom's coming over from the ESPN side, but still news heavy being Andrew's side of the conversation. Um, 
they apparently got job offers to do it together, but the offers were really low. And so when Andrew sort of, when they asked for more together, Cairo's answer to that was, well, we'll give you one more and then we'll push the little bit that's left to a producer and Andrew won out. Yeah, I, the thought that went through my head was, boy, they must not pay producers very much. I'm I'm sure it's hourly. I'm sure it's terrible. Hmm. Yeah. You know, um, that doesn't surprise me at all. It makes me wonder with the amount of work that we put into this podcast, if one of us could walk into Cairo and get a job as a producer. And the answer is probably yes, but we wouldn't want it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it sounds like it's too bad it didn't work out, but it also sounds like everybody landed where they wanted to land. Andrew ended up moving on into the next phase of his long journey. And um, if not for the way that worked out, Nick Jar never would have gotten hired at Cairo. And Tom sounds happy with what he's doing at ESPN. So all the mm -hmm. best to everyone in the end. Uh, the thinnest top story of the week, uh, nostalgia because of a tweet from Weird Ale. <laughs> I listened to this, but I don't even remember. There was um, some playing of, of my Bologna and mm -hmm. some reading of a letter from Dr. Demento. And that's about all there was from that, right? I think so. Yes. Uh, I sing along with it. Uh, it. There's just nothing to rehash there. Um, great. I, I like Weird Ale, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Fine. me too. Um, I know Phyllis is a big Weird Ale fan, um, but I wouldn't know where to begin with deeper analysis. Uh, we get an email. I, mean, I guess, uh, I guess the whole, the whole point of the thing, now that I'm looking at my notes is that, um, it was an interesting look back at a time when weird Al had no idea what was about to co come for him, for his life and his career. And maybe that ties in a little bit to the whole, um, Cairo night show is that they had no idea where their, their lives were going to go from there. And you found the There's thesis. My deep thought. I'm not sure that yeah. you knew where it was, but you found it. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe you meant look back, Yula. Yes. Your email uh, <laughs> listener says that like Andrew's drug scheme, uh, he had something that involved, was it Rimmer salt? Once I hear the word Rimmer from Andrew, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. He said it like seven times. Uh, There's no other way to describe that stuff. Uh, but I yeah. don't think it was... Uh, rim salt at all because I tried to search for this and it seems to be some sort of candy. Yeah. Like salt candy. Yeah. And whatever it is, it sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. We used to do this with pixie sticks. Sure. We sometimes. did it with Kool-Aid. I think it must have been sugar-free mm. Kool-Aid because mm -hmm. regular old non-sugar Kool-Aid would not have tasted very good. Oh. <laughs> right. Uh, I remember we used to but I'll say we very loosely because I was never cool enough or dumb enough for this, but people used to snort the pixie sticks. Right. Which <laughs> sounds like as bad of an idea now as it did then to me. Uh, email from listener Kevin who says, uh, follow up in the Joe Walsh files. Uh, he met Joe Walsh and uh, despite going against usual policy, asked him to sign an old Joe Walsh 45. And Joe Walsh was so taken by this, he uh, found an address for Kevin after the fact and sent him a bunch of cool fan stuff. Uh, so he's the opposite of Ringo Starr. Yeah, <laughs> this Joe Walsh story really has a long tail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice guy. All right, then. Yeah. Uh, your homework from Thursday is uh, to 
follow Tom Wassel on Twitter. That's Wassel Seattle on Twitter. Uh, and Meredith, when you mentioned that uh, Tom couldn't believe so much about TBTL, most specifically, he couldn't believe that people give them money to do it. Yes. I think that's worth noting specifically. <laughs> yeah. Andrew had to kind of make a, a mini pitch uh, about how humbling it is that uh, people give them money and how it's important to support the things that you love. And he was like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear Tom back on the show anytime. Yeah, sure. he was great. Yep. All right. Friday, 2274. The less you say, the less you regret. Uh, true. We have the great. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Um, we get the great Libby Denkman as a guest today. Uh, sounds like they were having some tech problems. She's uh, ISDNing in, presumably, from KPCC. Um and they start off talking about how their friend Colin and Libby often leave Andrew drunk voicemails. And he plays us one. <laughs> Something about a raccoon. Sounds like he's pretending to be an exterminator, but I didn't really understand the thread since they were very drunk. And then you can hear Libby giggling in the background. It was pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any friends that do this. Yeah, who calls anyone anymore? <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. And Andrew, she was kind of giving him shit for not answering the phone, but like, why would you? <laughs> also, he knows when the magic happens. If he answers, that'll never get captured. Yeah. Well, yeah, he needs he needs this all to be recorded for posterity. Right. Um, and Libby castigates him a little bit and says that she would fully participate in the friendship if he ever called her. She would answer the phone. Um, they talk a little bit about L.A. versus Seattle. She moved from Seattle to L.A. Um, she says that she likes the the beautiful weather. Um, she likes that she can sit down in some dirty brown grass without getting soaking wet. Uh, I guess you got a bright side living in L.A. Uh, and she talks about I'm, I'm pretty amenable to L.A. weather right now, frankly. Yeah. It, it feels – I mean – I don't have this consistently, but Texas weather is so much better than Michigan weather. Um, but when it's so sunny all the time, it gets, it starts to feel a little oppressive and boring. Like I like it when it rains. I like it when it gets a little cold. Um, I, I don't know if I would like it if the weather was never different. I probably wouldn't like that. Today I would um, love it since I shoveled for the well, first yeah, time this morning. Sure. Ask me in the winter, but it doesn't even snow here. So I feel like this, it gets very, very hot in the summer, but we do have seasons. It's starting to look like fall right about now. <laughs> and so it'll be a very, very short winter. It'll be spring in like March. Um, and March is about the time every year in Michigan that I would start thinking about slitting my wrists in a bathtub. So oh, God, it's just, yes. a, mm -hmm. it's a really nice change. Um, but yeah, I, I like having seasons. I like having a little bit of a change. And it, it does get a little bit chilly here. The heat's on. We put the fireplace on last night. Um, and that's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, she talks a bit about how L.A. is not as cutthroat. It's friendlier than she thought it would be. Um, but that she still has some imposter syndrome moving from commercial radio to public radio. Um, and she tells a little story about lying to her boss about how she never swears. <laughs> how she doesn't have to swear to get her point across. And she's not sure why she told her that. Um, Andrew, talking more about the cities, he's, he's uh, 
not into shaming people for loving the cities that they love. And they talk about his love of Chicago. And she, she mentions she knows that because she listened to the live show and took notes. And Andrew is horrified. Um, <laughs> I think partly because she listened to the show and partly because she did 100% more prep than he did. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And this is where we get the title of the episode. <laughs> where the, the less you talk, the less you regret. Um, and then they, they, they go on to discuss verbal tics. Um, and every, yeah, everybody has those. I mean, none Mm -hmm. of us are radio professionals, so we probably have a million times more than everybody else. Um, Andrew points out that he always says, having said that, and I would like to point to exhibit B, which is him always saying, you know what I mean? Kind of running it all Mm -hmm. together. He says that Um, constantly. Doesn't he say, um, if I'm going to be honest, he says some variation of that a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And she talks about, uh, doing what we just did is going mm-hmm when mm-hmm. people are talking during <laughs> interviews. It's really hard to it's really hard to suppress that urge because that's a human thing that we do to let the other person know that we're listening and we understand what they're saying. And um, you don't have to do that on radio, but it sounds weird. Um, yeah. It feels weird to not do that. To pull back the curtain, Mike does that a lot. And if you're editing our show, as I'm sure Anne has seen, and you look at Mike's audio track when somebody else is telling a story, you can just see the blips of his mm-hmm's. And it's kind of funny. <laughs> <You> certainly can. <laughs> uh, no criticism. I'm the one who says um about 5,000 times an episode. So uh, we've see, all. See, I think you. I, I've never noticed that about you, Bobby. Oh, I do. And if I'm feeling ambitious, I'll trim some of them out. But most of the time, I'm not feeling ambitious. Sorry, listeners. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few that I, I do. Um, notice every time I edit, but um, I choose not to take them out because that would just take forever. Yep. That's a lot of work. Um, top story is asparagus pee. Uh, Must we? They talk about, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll breeze through it. Is it genetics that cause us to produce the smell or a, be able to smell the smell? And they talk about the NPR reporter who decided to investigate this uh, and he did it about halfway. So I agree. Poorly designed study. Mm-hmm. He needs to go smell someone else's asparagus pee. And that's about as much as I want to talk about asparagus pee. I think Mythbusters has done this from every angle. I feel like somewhere I had heard all of this before, including the back half, which is smelling other people's asparagus pee. And mm-hmm. I, I only think it must have been Mythbusters because I can't imagine who else would have done it. Um, yeah. But I think this has been well-versed. Some people some people smell, some people don't. Some people can smell it, some people can't. My question is, wh- why do we care? Do we really have to investigate this? Can't <laughs> I we just some people, I mean, this comes up. Can you talk about asparagus without somebody mentioning pee? I mean, I feel like that comes up every time. Yeah. If we're at yeah. dinner with like casual friends and somebody orders asparagus, someone else is going to go, hi, oh, your pee's going to smell. And then we have to talk about, oh, mine doesn't. You know, th- it's just every time I feel like that same conversation happens. First of all, I feel like these must be Duff's friends. And well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I have a specific one in mind. I was going to say, as long as nobody's ordering beets, you're good. Because if Luke's around. <laughs> yeah. You get to hear about that one again. Um, it is sweeps week. Uh, most public radio stations, I think, are either in a pledge drive or, or just coming out of a pledge drive. So maybe they know that the asparagus bee really hits home. <laughs> it's evergreen. Yeah. 
All right, enough of that. Uh, then we get a little bit of Brown's talk. They are apparently not scoring a lot of points, and <laughs> they're on their way to... <laughs> That's incredibly correct. <laughs> I don't know much about football, but I know that 0-16 and 16 isn't good, um, and some jerk in Cleveland wants to do a uh, 0 and 16 parade for them. And they have a permit to do this. And uh, clearly this is a sarcastic and mean thing to do. Uh, But I was thinking who on earth is going to pay for this? You can get a permit, but you still, then do you have to put on a parade? How does that work? Right. Who's going to be in the parade? It's not affiliated with the actual Browns organization in any way. I would assume they're not going to get any players to participate. No, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's maybe like somebody just being a jerk and getting some publicity for this. Uh, I Um, I think you might get hundreds of people to come out and drink and bullshit around in the streets a little bit. I don't know that that counts as a parade. Is that a parade? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Libby doesn't like it at all. Where is the loyalty? You support your local team and talk a little bit about her. Her her mom uh, worked for the Seahawks. So she's very familiar with all this kind of supporting your home team stuff. Uh, And of course, we get to hear from Rizzo and he, to say the least, is not a fan (laughs) of this idea. Just stay away. I did stay write, away from his write family. Down his quote. Yeah, wrote, I wrote down my favorite part of his rant. That is the loserest of all loser moves I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and he kind of threatens the guy who designed this. Yeah, he says, "Stay away from me and my family," <laughs> as if he was coming after him. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, this is not a nice thing to do, right? Like, there's no, no way in hell this is nice. No, uh-uh. I I don't buy. Andrew's theory about it's it's gallows humor and you just have to allow that to I don't know have some outlet for your frustration no this is that's not cool no you go and scream on the radio Uh to get your frustration out (laughs) all right music for your weekend uh Libby gives us a Beach Boys song called Little Saint Nick that sounds exactly like uh Little Deuce Coop what is it Little Deuce Coop and it does uh, mm-hmm. Andrew apparently didn't know that car songs are usually about women. Um, and and also, I think songs about ladies are often about heroin. Uh, what? Clearly, I am, not, I am not listening on a deep enough level. <laughs> Listen to some Velvet Underground. None of those songs are about anything but heroin. <laughs> I promise. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, Andrew gives us James Brown, Merry Christmas, I Love You. It's a good one. And mm. listener gives us uh, Stevie Wonder, Silver Bells. Silver, Be- Silver, Be- Silver Bells is a great Christmas song. Yep. Written in Salamanca, New York. Silver Bells. Oh, yeah? Yep. Uh, right. Led to one of the dumbest, quirkiest headlines I ever got to put in the Buffalo News because every year – Salamanca is a little town south of Buffalo, and they are very proud of their Silver Bells heritage. And uh, for their winter festival one year, I got to write the headline on a Silver Bells theme, comma, it's Christmas time in the city. Uh, it's somewhere in an, nice. in an old portfolio that exists as a moment where I got to do something fun <laughs> because everyone else was on vacation, so nobody stopped me. <laughs> Uh, and I'll take us through some housekeeping again. If you haven't gone back and listened to the Friday show, 
uh, part one of our five-part series, breaking down TBTL's five-part series about Drew McFrizz, featuring Drew McFrizz and interviews. It is the most meta thing you'll ever hear, uh, but and I mean that in a good way. Um, no doubt. <laughs> under our sister podcast, Earbuds and Earworms, uh, we're taping a little bit earlier than we normally do in the weekend, but I did reach out to Amy and ask her what their show is about, and she writes this. In time for the holidays, Jason and Amy tackle a heavy topic with mental illness in music. They have some straight talk about why discussing it is important and then delve into the music. There's plenty of heaviness that is reflected with laughter and stouts become sometimes nervous laughter can help. Uh, so uh, wow. get deep and also wow. laugh with Amy and Jason on your next earbuds and earworms talking about mental illness. Uh, now reading that description, I feel bad for all of the sarcastic songs I suggested for that episode and hope they don't use any of them. <laughs> <laughs> on a lighter note jeremy and i are hoping to get in studio uh remotely for what it's worth uh to record nerd out loud i am trying to crash it to talk about holiday tipping because i am running out of time and have no idea what to do for my garbage men and mailman and ups guy um and we're desperately seeking help with that so hopefully by the time you hear this he and i will have talked through that with some listener input it's not too late to order cards from PrettySnarky.com with the promo code BANDWAGON. Do it for Jen. Do it for us. Do it for yourself. You'll be glad you did. As you're doing your Christmas shopping, remember to use LittleRedBandwagon.com slash Amazon for everything you need. Uh, and uh, next week, in lieu of a recap, uh, since it sounds like TBTL is going on tape uh, anyway, uh, we are going to be doing a very special LRB Christmas uh, edition of the show details to follow, but it will involve some secret Santa shenanigans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> shenanigans. Indeed. Can't wait. Uh, but that, uh, All right. well, we're not with that, that yet, but the other with that Meredith, <laughs> if you want to get involved with the show, you can visit us on our website at littleredbandwagon.com. You can go to our Facebook. Um, we have a group page or you can visit us on the Stens page. We pop in and out of there a lot. Our show Twitter is at LRB podcast. And remember to follow Tom Wassel at Wassel Seattle. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Send us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-TVTL. That's 802-432-8285. And if you feel so inclined, you can go review us on iTunes. Send us uh, a little message and give us some stars just for kicks. Yep. Uh, now, as one of my verbal ticks was pointed out recently on the show, <laughs> and with that, <laughs> who would like to be Christy today? I will. Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen. Nailed it. Oh, yeah, we should say it's called The Little, Little Red, Red Bandwagon. Bandwagon. It's, uh, it's a great show for anybody who doesn't host this show. <laughs> <laughs>